The following podcast may contain inappropriate language, sexual content, and spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Gonzo.moe Sleepy Time Anime Sleep Show. We're doing this show uh, an hour late because I took a nap and didn't set an alarm. I'm JP. I'm joined by Kyle. There's no Noel uh, because he uh, quit the show. No, I don't know what he's doing, but he did his anime secret Santa last week. And uh, I forgot the part that he did it that way because he wasn't going to make the show. <laughs> How are you doing, Kyle? It, I'm okay, but you know what? I think it's fine that you, uh, we're a little sleepy, right? The the clock hands all got removed. Unfortunately, we're now living in Paradigm City. Yeah, we're oh. just really going. We were going real method on this podcast recording. Did you do any anime related Christmas or holiday things uh, outside of this? I don't think so, but uh, I still like anime, That's and I fair. thought about it. <laughs> I watched, uh, and by watched, I mean turned it on and listened to the sound of it. I watched some Pikachu's Winter Vacation. Normally, I would watch the Crunchyroll Christmas special, but I forgot to. And I don't even know if it's available anymore now that Sony has destroyed my life. The last time I checked, they had a out-of-sync version on their YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, but I, I don't know if it's still available through their app. I would assume that they set that on fire along with my hopes and dreams. And uh, I don't know, the right stuff, be good archive. <laughs> I saw some people tweeting about it. Uh, I actually haven't watched it ever. So I wasn't certain if there was a new one every year. And I'm like, oh, cool. there is not like, good for good for uh, Michael Tool, But uh, no, as far as I'm aware, there's only the two. Because uh, there was the one in, it was either 2014 or 2015, I want to say. And it was maybe 20 minutes long. Uh, and that's the good shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. It's not like the funniest shit ever. It's just like a couple anime related skits in between like clips of a handful of Christmas anime that Crunchyroll had at the I time. I just like the idea of Mike Tool being the face of like anime Christmas. Yes. Then they, they did another one a couple years later, which I don't think had as many anime clips, and it was also shorter. And open okay, so I'm already filling the cuts. Well, yeah, I mean, they probably made that for like a dollar the first time around. Uh, the, the most interesting thing about the anime Christmas special was that they got it on TV, but because... You know, they just bought a bunch of infomercial slots. By getting it on TV, it means it aired at like four in the morning on Spike TV. Still counts. It still counts. Uh, but yeah, I made my mom watch that the year it came out. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> what else? I sold a bunch of stuff on eBay. That has nothing to do with Christmas, but everything to do with anime. 
but before we talk about that, this is the Gonzo.moe No Name Anime Show. You can find all of our episodes at Gonzo.moe. We're also on all of the, I don't know, podcatcher directories. Probably if you search Gonzo.moe, we should come up. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Apple Music Podcasts. Defy. I don't know what we're doing with their life anymore. But I sold a bunch of stuff on eBay. And it has been a few years since I've done this, so I wasn't really sure what to expect. Uh, I mostly just put up like anime and manga that I didn't like care about anymore, or stuff I bought that turned out to be a dud. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> Like, you don't want to keep Bigata HK anymore on Blu-ray DVD combo? <laughs> no. No, I don't. Or do I live next door to a hot elf? That's really terrible. I think I sold that for 99 cents. What a savings. Yes. Whoever out there bought it, we salute you. Well, so something really interesting that I learned, the Dragon Ball Z like steel books that they put out a couple years ago, those are worth a lot of money. I had no idea. I got this thing for maybe $35. I put it on eBay, not really thinking much of it. On its own, people bid it up to $170. Jesus. And it already got paid for. So like that wasn't even a scam as far as I know. Like I was getting offers throughout the listing. Apparently, that is an out-of-print hot item. And it, so the, I checked it quickly. Uh, that's why I did that deep cut of the Big HK. I think he, I also saw there was some video game uh, that was selling pretty like a lot. There were several bids on it. So yeah, I put Sekiro on there. It's from it. from software. I didn't really care for it. I'm really bad at it. I think I think it sold for like twenty five bucks, which isn't terrible. Yeah, pretty like, good. I didn't I didn't have a ton of like hot ticket items. The only other thing I have that's worth anything is this manga called Abara which is from the person that wrote Knights of Sidonia, I believe. Yeah. Now, but that's not to say that there wasn't anything good in there. Uh, I saw that you had the... I almost bid on it myself before I realized that the reason you were selling it is probably because the Blu-ray exists, but uh, you had Rose of Versailles Part 2 on there. Yes. Uh, I've, I've both Rose of Versailles on there. Right. I, I think I just only... I think I, too, have, like, Volume 1, but not Volume 2, so I almost did it, and then I'm like, oh, right. I'm like the Blu-ray. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna have to sell both of them if I buy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the Blu-ray had a very limited print run. I'm not sure if it's still available. But the Dear Brother. I think and, it's right. I think it's literally today as like the deal of the day on. Oh right stuff. well, yeah. If it's still available, then I would pick that up. But that was one where they said they only had like a two-year license, and like if you don't get it, you don't get it. Right. But. Yeah, there's there's some good stuff in there. A lot of it's trash. Some of it's stuff that I upgraded, like uh, the Angel Cop Blu-ray was up there because they re-released that with the film print. So I yeah, I did see that, but I didn't grab it for just the reason you said too. And uh, Violence Jack DVD is on there, but they re-released that with a film print that was uncensored. So I put that up there. There's also yeah. Fractal, which is terrible. Anyway. I remember that was they were really hyping that that was going to be so big, uh, and then it until leaked. People saw it. Yeah, well, but also that was Yamakon, the like lunatic that got fired from making Kaneki and maybe Haruhi, and then like spouted a bunch of Nazi crap on Twitter. That guy's out of his mind. Anyway, so 
just before we went on, I decided to look at our history because I realized that we started doing the No Name Show around this time last year. Which is to say the first no-name show looks like it was June-ish in 2021. Because I think I did a couple and then just kind of forgot about it. Like, I would do them whenever. Right. Uh, But we started doing them regularly around this time. And it turns out that it has been just over a year of you being on the no-name show. Your first episode came out on December 22nd. Wow, that's... That's crazy. We've been doing this a year. Yeah, it really didn't feel like that, but it's, you know, we're a year old, or you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously you've been potting a little bit longer than I have, so uh, I get it. You know, it's 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 pretty cool. I did not know how long this uh, version of the show was going to go, because I, like, I had taken quite a bit of time off uh, between moving and you know, just various formatting, restructuring stuff, but it's it's cool that it's right. I mean, just to let people know, in case they they aren't aware of the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, originally, JP just reached out and was like, "Hey, I'm looking for people who might want to be on," and I think there's like a three or four of us signed on for a single episode, and I did my episode, and then you know, I was kind of like thinking about doing a few others, and then I'm just like, "Hey, uh, like I'll do a lot more if you want. I just don't want to like intrude." And JP's just like, "Please, I need more people, and you know, like, <laughs> be on here." Well, yeah, and we did that a few more times, and then eventually it was just like, "Oh, you're going to be here next week, right?" Then eventually it was not even asking, and next thing you know, it's been a year, and yeah, that's how you sneak onto a podcast, folks. Yeah, it was uh, it was you and Noel that signed up, and then I just and kept Vinny. going. Well, yeah, Vinny signed up for the new show, but you and Noel signed up for the No Name show. I think you signed yeah. up for both. Anyway, it's been a good it's been a good year. Uh, something that's not so great. Uh, before we get into our reviews, we're going to do our anime Secret Santa reviews. Uh, so the same old talk about piracy has been going on the Twitter this the last couple of days. And uh, just because it's unavoidable, I figure we would talk a little bit about it. So some guy called, I believe, the Oda King on Twitter. I'm not familiar with this person. They put out like a top 10 list of obscure anime titles, which is fine. I'm totally for that. And I'm also, I don't think there's anything wrong with posting links to like fan subs. I don't care. Uh, but the reason that this caught attention is because they got like all uppity about how like pirates are saving the anime industry in that usual conversation. And that ended up getting retweeted by Justin Savakis. And I think that's how it kind of reached the wider audience. And the usual conversation is now happening. The you're destroying anime versus the we're the true fans kind of bullshit. And I just thought it would be... Uh, I can't uh, pretend that not, it didn't man, let's happen. Let's get our chestnuts roasting on this open fire. Well, I just figured, like, we can't pretend that that didn't happen. We are a current events podcast. And right. my opinion on the matter has changed a lot over the years. I used to be a very, like, aggressive anti... Well, like, I kind of, like, aggressive anti-piracy, but also, like, would download stuff once in a while. We We've... 
we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, and my stance has changed a lot now that like all the companies are owned by these mega corporations. So, you know, Crunchyroll and Write Stuff, so by extension, Nozomi are owned by Sony. You know, uh, Sentai Filmworks is owned by AMC. Uh, I believe the TV network, not the theater network. I don't know how they're both allowed to exist with the same name, but they are totally unrelated companies. Uh, What else? We have Netflix that's producing a lot of anime. Disney is starting to get titles and not just like random shit, but like big stuff. You know, they got Tokyo Revengers. Is Amazon doing any anime stuff anymore? Amazon comes in every once in a while because Amazon got uh, the Evangelion movie, the 3.0 plus 1.0. But they also, didn't they just announce something for worldwide streaming? We talked about it on the newsroom, but I I can't remember. I was thinking of them. I don't remember what show it was, but they just announced something for worldwide streaming. But yeah, so, you know, we've got Amazon, Disney, Netflix, Sony, and AMC. And there are still... It's definitely no longer the... Like, I think the only small guys around are, what, Discotech? Yeah. And and what's the other company? The one that Media Blasters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, we have uh, G-Kids, but they seem to only do prestigious titles and, like, theatrical stuff. Uh, You have Eleven Arts, which... You know, maybe puts out a title or two a year. Yeah, I don't think the company, though, that puts out, you know, like Evangelion and all the Ghibli movies can be considered small time, even though, like, they are. Yeah. Relatively. Yeah, I don't I don't know G-Kid's story. I know that they're not, as far as I'm aware, I know that they're not owned by, like, AT&T or whatever. I think they must have some money uh, because they kind of came out of nowhere and already had like heavy hitting titles like this Toshi Khan and the Ghibli stuff. Yeah. Like that's big shit. Like any other other companies like Discotech would kill themselves to have like Satoshi Khan or you know what I mean? Yeah. So but I, I just like you know it's it's impossible to like remove pirating from anime fandom just because there is so much stuff that you can't experience otherwise. So for example, summertime rendering. If you want to experience summertime rendering as an anime fan outside of Japan, you have to download it. It's just, it's it's not possible. Uh, yeah, there's no legal way as of right now because Disney is not interested in putting it up. And I just, what I don't understand, like, I understand people like Justin uh, arguing against piracy because he is part of an anime company putting out a product. And also, but he's also... I would say that even further, but that like discotheque intentionally is actually getting around to a lot of this stuff that previously has been only available in Japan or via fan subs. Like they are kind of doing the, they're doing the work of trying to be like, Hey, like we're trying to make this so you can get this stuff that like, you know what I mean? Like you had to pirate, like we're giving you an option an out. Well, and also they're one of the few companies that I would defend in the anti-piracy argument. Like if somebody was, you know, willingly downloading discotheque titles, it's like, you're just being yeah. a dick at that point. Cause they're, they're not making a ton of money. It's run by a bunch of fans and they do a really good job. Now, if somebody's downloading my hero academia, I don't give a shit because yeah. oh my Sony's going to be fine. 
but what what was bizarre about the list that that guy shared is that in in there was some stuff that Discotech had put out. Uh, right, like it's like I can buy a Blu-ray of it, pal. Uh, it doesn't even fit the obscure list anymore. Yeah, they put that that dinosaur. I forget what it's called, but they put out like a series of dinosaur movies pretty it's like recently. Like Bakamatsu or something. Uh, yeah, Bokematsu. I'm not, I'm not like sure, that. but like Discocheck just put those films out. Uh, I, I mean, don't... I get it from the feeling of there were like even though some of those titles do have physical releases, I do feel that they're fairly obscure. I think number two was like the clouds, like the wind, which is actually a pretty cool like made-for-TV anime movie about a girl who becomes uh, like uh, one of the the emperor's wives in China, like at the in the palace. Mm-hmm. It's actually really cool, but like you said, it's it's on Blu-ray. Like maybe it's under. Maybe it's still niche, both because it's, you know, from the 80s and, you know, no one's watching or like the the regular anime fan is not going out there and buying older stuff. So, like, I still think it's worth recommending, but it's definitely it's a strange list. Well, they also had like Yamato in there. Uh, You know, I think it's the final like of the regular Yamato movies from 09. I think it said in the article. Yeah. On the thread. I don't even care if like I I do not care if people download. I'm just like I'm so exhausted by the discourse on both sides because we have the like, well, piracy is the true fandom. And the other people are like, if you pirate, you're not a real fan and this and that. And it's like like. I think that a lot of these people either forget that like the fandom in the United States was like founded on piracy and it's just this like it's okay when I do it kind of a thing because I think just about all of them started that way like Crunchyroll uh, yeah Justin even admitted he's like yeah like I got my start there and he says like well I don't think we're there anymore but I know for a fact that like, I think the problem here is just the blanket statements, right? Like, I think in general, we can go like, yeah, like piracy in like, you know, like, yeah, like, would it be better if there were better options? Sure. Right. But like, I know, Justin, I know all these people have some, you know, like they have a, they have something they've gotten from a torrent, right? Well, like, they were talking about torrents in that thread. <laughs> like, I, I, I think I just want people to shut up already. Like, we've had this talk so many times it's like the subs versus dubs debate. Like, what are we doing? Like, arguing about this is not getting us anywhere. And, like, the whole bit about how piracy is preventing this and that, like, it isn't. People have been downloading Naruto and Dragon Ball Z for decades now, and Crunchyroll is still the biggest anime company in the United States. They're fine. Well, this also, remember, we've covered this in the newsroom a few times, but there have been, you know, the Japanese companies going, oh, we're getting so much revenue stolen. And then all the, but all that we hear is like record anime profits. This is the best year for anime ever. And it's kind of hard to go, oh, wow. Like they're fighting piracy. It's, oh, it's killing the industry, right? Like Justin, like you're, you're killing all the small people, but like discotheque themselves are doing really well right now. Uh, I know that I don't have the minute to minute numbers. Yeah, like, well, and we it never. It kind of seems like a weird thing. Like, yes, like there's always going to be a subset of people who are going to pirate like everything. They just don't give a fuck, and they'll come up with any justification to just not pay. And then they're going to get a lot of people who are anti-pirates. But like, I mean, come on, this has to be like 
a drop in the bucket, right? Well, the, the with Crunchyroll and like the like the legal ways that you can get it, like it, it just seems like even from that perspective, it's kind of like, all right, like I don't know why you're complaining. Like it's just the majority of people that pirate, and I'm just making this up. I don't know this for a fact, but it's like it's kids that don't have any money. It's people that don't have any availability in their country, or it's people that aren't going to be buying it anyway. Like, yes, there is a certain section of people that if they can't pirate it, they will buy it. But you can't count on that. You know, like, it's, I think it was Gabe Newell that said, like, piracy is not a, it's like an availability problem. It's not, I forget what the exact quote is. Yeah, it's something about, like, like a service problem. Like, if it's easy... And it's cheap and like, or like, you know, like reasonable, then like people will do it. But like, if it's, if you make it hard for them to do it legally, then they will go with the easiest path, right? Like just least resistance. Yeah. You know, the only stuff that I pirate now is stuff that I just can't get. Yes. So anyway. You know, I I will say one last thing, uh, but it is funny with discotech because, you know, lately we've been seeing a lot of licenses from discotech in particular where they're just like, hey, this is a real quick one. Yeah. We're getting it and like maybe buy it immediately, but it kind of feels like a lot of discotheque stuff in the near to semi near future will become a quote unquote lost media of sorts. So it is, well, it's I gonna, get that they're like, like you said, it's, I get why they're as a media company saying like piracy is bad, but in like a year or two, like is another company going to want to license dear brother? Well, will they be allowed to? Yeah. Right. So. I'm just putting that out there as a little yeah. bit of a... I mean, I, I will never... Like I said in the beginning, like I I love discotech. Most of the titles yeah. on my shelf are discotech titles. I'm not saying that people should pirate discotech titles. I just... No, definitely not. I don't want them to do that. But I mean, shut up about it, piracy already. It does suck that it is... Uh, let's put it this way. No one is coming out and, you know, oh, my God, this Twitter thread changed my mind about piracy. <laughs> yeah. I just I just find it so exhausting. And, like, the industry that I used to love is just slowly becoming, like, soulless and corporate. And I just, like, I'm tired. You know, I, I really like anime and manga as an art form, but... Just the last couple years have been hard to watch. Like, it's just all... I came up with a good solution. What we should do is we should get Elon Musk to put out a Twitter poll. All right? Oh, my God. Piracy or not piracy. And we should just all abide by the results of that poll. Yeah, good idea. Uh, So we did Anime Secret Santa. And uh, I guess... uh, Do you want to go first? Oh, sure, I can go first. So, Anime Secret Santa is this thing that was started by the Reverse Thieves maybe a decade or so ago. Not Well, not or so. Maybe like 10 to 15 years ago. I forget exactly when. And then uh, Vinny, who is regular contributor on the news broom, uh, he took over the mantle, f- I want to say four years ago, maybe five years ago. With Yeah, the Reverse Thieves took a bit of a break. Uh, but uh, All Geeks Considered took over the uh the anime secret santa so we we all sign up for it and our names go into a hat and then we you know give anime recommend recommendations to each other with uh out knowing 
who is giving us the rec- recommendations. And so uh, I got Gunsmith Cats and you got Big O. And then Noel, he got Devil Man Lady, which he reviewed on our last show. So it was a good time. Oh, I guess before we get yeah, into it, I'm- what did you, who did you get and what did you recommend? Okay, so I let me pull them up really quick. One second. I guess while you're looking for yours, I can say what I recommended. Uh, so I got a person named Bebop Shock, who we are mutuals on Twitter. Uh, they are on a podcast called the Third Impact Podcast. And I don't remember every single thing that I recommended, but they chose The Great Pretender. And uh, they put out their podcast a few days ago. Uh, knowing is that a, a series or is that an OVA? It is a Netflix series. I believe it is 20-something episodes. I don't know if it's a full 26, but it's around that, I want to say. Sure. Uh, and then, I, knowing me, I probably also recommended Kino's Journey and Boogie Pop Phantom. Because I always recommend Classic. Kino's Journey and Boogie Pop Phantom. You weren't going through their list. Like, my person had a... Because they also send you uh, a list of their... and Like, whatever their My Anime list or yes. Anime Planet. Um, so that way you can go through and make sure you're picking something that they hopefully haven't seen. I make sure that they haven't seen Kino's Journey or Boogie Pop Phantom. <laughs> so, yeah, where I was, like, really having to dig deep and going... Because my person has seen a lot. Um, so... I uh, my person was Vintage Coats, who I've I was not familiar with prior to ha- receiving their name. Uh, they had a th- weirdly like super extensive anime list. Like goodness, they had not only curated everything they had seen, they also had a very extensive list of all the stuff that they wanted to see. So it was very easy for me. Like I didn't have to do a lot of head scratching of like, well, they like this. It was like, oh no, they they have four hundred anime and the want to watch list. Good lord, cool. So <laughs> if I pick this, you know, I'm not picking something they haven't already thought of, which made it really hard. So I recommended three. I recommended, uh, oh god, I'm trying I, here. They actually wrote it down in the because they just posted this on Christmas. So it looks like I did three titles. I did Irresponsible Captain Tylor, the series, mm-hmm. not the OVA. Because um, it sounded like they hadn't seen a lot of space, you know, uh, like of like space shows from that era. So I thought, all right, this would be a good gap to fill. Mm-hmm. And there's the show that I they picked, which is Sunny Boy, which I did recommend oh, for nice. them. Because you guys know I'm a big Sunny guy, Sunny Boy fan. Then the third option was Birdie the Mighty Decode, which I'm also a big fan. So Sounds definitely like good. stuff I'm into, um, all of it. But it, it, I was very much trying to pick something that I thought they would like as well. I wasn't just... Oh, I didn't pick just... Ran- I think that the ones I picked were in their want to watch as well. Okay. Well, yeah, because uh, a lot of the the trackers will also... Like some people will tag do not want to watch titles so i made sure that they weren't in there anyway so you watched the big o had you seen it before or seen any episodes of it no uh this was a first for me i actually bought it um i still have the bondi legends dvd sets nice uh 
which will tell you how long ago I bought those. Uh, and I think I maybe watched the first episode and something, maybe I was really tired and I, I think something was going on and I never really, I'm like, All right, I'll get back to this. And then cue my blind, buying the Blu-rays. When I sat down to watch this, I actually had to open up the plastic. So of the Blu-rays hadn't even opened it. And, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. So I knew going in that, you know, Sunrise made this and it was very much. So they were one of the anime companies that was contracted and they did a lot of work on Batman, the animated series. Yes. And it's pretty clear that this comes from that. Like, you know, the the great version of it's like, oh, like we're doing this work for someone else. But like, why don't we just do something that's ours and we can own it, you know? And big O, uh, of course, it's a little more complicated than that. But for I just wanted to say, firstly, for anyone who hasn't seen it, if you like Batman the Animated Series, even a little, or you like Mecha series or Noir series, uh, this is for you. This is a series that you will enjoy a, a quite a big deal, I feel. Oh, yeah. Gun, uh, Gunsmith. Uh, big O, I've not seen much of it but one of the things i always remembered is like oh this is like anime batman yeah like imagine batman has uh, so i so here's the the basic plot 40 years ago some event happened and it gave everybody in the city possibly the world amnesia and no one can recall anything from before 40 years ago and in this world People are, you know, some like old people uh, when you become a certain age, like not a defined age, but like some old people start to remember and the old world, some remnants can occasionally slip through cracks and people discover some like horrific secret from the past or these giant mecha called mecha, uh, they're called mega deus Mm -hmm. and they upset the natural order. Well, in this world, it's a very much a, like a megalopolis kind of situation where the uber rich live in these domes in this like big old city. And, you know, the poor people live outside the domes and are just like trying to make a meager existence. There's electricity and there's technology. It's very got, you know, like a, no, what's the word? Like it's like a, it's a very noir city. A lot of like, uh, a lot of like drab tones, a lot mm. of grays, but also a lot of like golds and, you know, you got nice shadows. Just a, a really nice space. And then our main character is a guy named Roger Smith. And he's, uh, this is funny. Uh, so his name is Roger Smith and they call him a negotiator. Yeah. So the other big influence on this series uh, is Fritz Lang's Metropolis, which is one of the foundational, you know, sci-fi uh, uh, films, right? I think it comes from the 1920s. I want to say uh, it might be the 1930s. I'm, I'm sorry to classic film people, uh, but it's a great silent film. One of the all-time great silent films. Um, it's where a lot of famous imagery from more modern cinema comes from. Like C-3PO is just pure Metropolis, that kind of thing. So, if people want to know about it, uh, definitely look it up. But in that film, there's this big deal made of the main character. So his father is the creator in Metropolis of the city Metropolis, and he's the great architect of the future. But it's all built on the subjugated backs of the workers. Right? It's a very much like the proletariat 
are good and like the rich big wigs are bad kind of narrative right like uh but in that world the the whole uh, plot hinges on uh they call the workers the the hands and then the the father character who's this great visionary is called the head and at the the very last line is the mediator between head and hands must be the heart and it's freighter the main character uniting like holding the hand of the worker on his left above his his head and his father's hand and now that they're all three of them united it's going to be a perfect utopia and it's just so funny because if you listen to if you look at that line and you go mediator negotiator and someone pulled out their thesaurus mm-hmm. <laughs> um i know it's a bit of a deep cut sorry i'm just a big uh, metropolis guy so but anyways uh, that's enough about metropolis so big o uh you know, it sounds all fun, right? He's this guy. He just negotiates things, whether that's big or small things. Uh, you'll see him doing stuff like negotiating the price of fish or negotiating a hostage surrender or, mm. you know, doing some light private eye work. And it has a lot of anime tropey things. Like there's a, a girl, there's a robot girl he meets in the first episode named Dorothy, and she becomes his robotic maid along with a Alfred butler type and she's just like making jokes and you know and like playing the piano to wake him up with the blues and it's like like weirdly anime sometimes for something that feels so much like batman because mm-hmm. roger smith as i mentioned before everyone is amnesia so it like the setup for him as a character it feels like what happened if bruce wayne had amnesia and didn't remember that his parents died and didn't become <laughs> batman but was still like Batman Instead and like what he would giant do robot. Yeah. Like he'd pilot a giant robot, of course. And yes, of course uh, the, so I do want to talk a little bit about the mecha designs. I, they're really unique. Uh, I think a lot of mecha tends to, cause this is sunrise as well, right? Like they are the Gundam guys. So you're expecting something it rather, if you're expecting something a little bit more traditional, Uh, And you've come to it on place because these mecha are all like come from the giant robo tradition of, oh, big hulking steel. Right. Like you can see the rivets and the bolts. Yeah, it looks more like a Gigantor type robot. Yeah. And even the the influence. So all of the mecha, they don't look like robots. They all look they're very. uh like it, it almost feels like there's a 20,000 leagues under the sea influence, like a Jules Verne influence, because that the main robot has these giant oversized forearms with pistons that fire off and create these giant explosions. But it looks like I think it's Nautilus themed. Like, I think that's what I would I, th- I think that's the sea creature that they based it off of. And a lot of the mecha designs, uh, like they don't look like. Just like, oh, this is a humanoid that's a robot. It very much feels like there's a lot of sea life influence. There's a lot of just strange shapes. And uh, it feels really alien in a way, which you can, it makes you really... I think it adds a lot to the world building of you just going like, what was the world like 40 years ago? Which is the great recurring question that they keep on returning to throughout the series. So I have to delineate here. I only watched for this review... For this, uh, I, I actually I might actually want to do a two-parter. I, uh, or rather, a, a, I might want to do this in two parts. Mm-hmm. So, I only watched the first thirteen episodes because that's Big O. 
Oh yeah. There's a there's this another series that came out three years later, and that's the Big O two. Yes. So I'm gonna do the Big O two as well, but I'll probably do that uh in a couple weeks or you know. So just be prepared. I'm only gonna be talking about the first thirteen episodes. Yeah, I think we've talked about it on here a few times that Adult Swim produced the second season because it did so well on Adult Swim. Because originally, I don't know if it got canceled or if they only had 13 episodes like planned, but uh, only 13 were made. And then it did really well in America, so we made the second season. Yeah, uh, I think it was actually a fair disappointment in Japan. I thought they, you know, I don't think it had the numbers, and I think we kind of saved it. This was a, was this Chiaki Kanaka? I'm not certain. Let me double check. Famed anime writer lunatic. It feels like it was probably him. I don't know who would have directed Uh, it. Yeah, so let's see. The writer? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Anything that was yes. crazy um, in the Chiaki 90s was Kanaka. Kanaka. Yeah, it was. It says it was done by a lot of the serial experienced lame people. Yeah. Um, and the director, like, you know, this is a, I don't know what he did. What did the director do? Could not tell you. Oh, he's a, he's a big guy. He worked on stuff like Doom Megalopolis and Appleseed. Oh, what? <laughs> and he was on Giant Robo. So yeah, like apparently a lot of this crew actually worked on Giant Robo themselves. Nice. So no wonder it feels like that. <laughs> I... uh, yeah, so uh, I wanted to say a few things, uh, maybe about a, like a particular episode. And uh, one, I want to like go a little bit in depth in one episode, episode five. Uh, then I'll just talk a little bit about the kind of some of the themes and what I really took out of it. Is that okay? Yeah. Awesome. So. For people out there, I some series, I think, feel much more like they come from a single mind and that they wrote them all down and it's going to be like one long, like almost like a movie, right? Like, I think that's how a lot of modern stuff comes out. Mm -hmm. Um, But then of course you have the ones which are very much episodic and they're not connected. What I like so much about this is how like the different episodes feel like they can be ripped from different shows. So the ending of this series is I, I gather that it's, infamous for among some people and other people just genuinely like it but it feels like so this was supposed to be 26 episodes this this series um the first season big up was supposed to be 26 episodes but it was such a like i guess a bomb in japan that they went and they have the episode order to 13 and so episode 13 comes and it starts to ask a bunch of questions and essentially like blow up the series and it teases a giant uh, cliffhanger ending with a big confrontation that feels like it is the basis for uh, Pacific Rim. You know, that big fight in Pacific Rim where the robots are coming in and there's like a three, there's like five, there's like three of the giant mecha Jaegers against all the creatures coming in. Like, it feels like that. Okay. I haven't seen Pacific it's just like this Rim, big so climactic ending after a bunch of philosophical questions and a lot of like discovering the secrets of the past, but they're only kind of vaguely showing them and like cut and into flashbacks with a lot of you know like supercuts. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, I don't really know what's happening, but I'm really interested. And that's where the series ends. It goes to be continued. 
Uh, and then the second se- series, from what I gather, I think that the second series isn't a sequel, though. I think that they did a prequel. Oh, God. And then I think that series ends on a cliffhanger. I'm not sure, because I have not I'm, seen it. I haven't either. watched it either, but like, I'm... But it's just so funny that they set it up for this big thing. But it honestly strikes me as being, well, one, it's very, that episode in particular feels like it could have been an Evangelion episode. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the the big swing that they went for, right? Like, there's a lot of, like, oh, we're, we're seeing this, and you just had these, there's enough there. I'm like, oh, this feels like Evangelion. And then ends in this big cliffhanger, and it just feels like they knew that it was over, and they kind of wanted to leave people on a, like, Oh, we're gonna like at least leave them wanting more, and then they got more, and they're like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> we thought that after the episode order was halved, that was it. Um, let's go back. Um, so that's funny, but then there are episodes which feels ripped straight out of Batman animated series. Uh, there's one. Uh, so in one instance, there is a serial killer who is trying to kill ex cops with uh by doing uh terrorist bombings of like big church events or like public gatherings where like wherein for we see at least one child get killed um but there's like it's gathered they're like oh like this bomber was trying to kill these two cops in this church but he killed the whole church and it was like you know sunday more or less so (laughs) rest in peace to the other 60 people (laughs) You're just like, damn. But no, but the bombs are like little mini wind-up robots, toy robots. And I'm just like, damn, this feels like the Grey Ghost episode of Batman or something. Like, you know, it it just has that feel. Uh, And then we get, like, of course, like, it just feels like every episode I'm like, oh, this feels like I'm watching a different series, has a different tone. But it all still feels consistent, which is, I think, rare. A, A lot of times when you do that, it kind of ends up feeling disjointed. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, here it just felt like, okay, like this is just the mood of the day. So I really like that. Um, that's one of my favorite things about this. It, it was, it's, I was never bored, not once. Uh, and of course the animation, I mean, you know, it's sunrise doing a Mecca show. Uh, they know how to do that. They are very good at that. Uh, although I think it got them in trouble. There's uh, one episode towards the end where the big O was fighting uh, another comparable mega deus robot. And they're having a battle in like the middle of the city. They're on a giant tower. The tower is like coming off with smoke. I just feel like this is the kind of series that probably had some trouble with 9-11. Like not right away, but like on reruns. I feel like that's maybe why nothing happened at a certain point. There's enough imagery here where I'm like, oh, like I wonder if just like, Toonami was just like, we don't, we're not going to, or Adult Swim or whichever would have shown it at the time. I wonder if they're like, ah, maybe we, maybe we weren't prepared for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find anything on the Wikipedia. The first, the half that you watched had finished being animated before 9-11. Yeah, it, it came out between 99 and 2000. So yeah, and part two, I think was that it was fine, but by the time that uh, Big O two came out, right, like that's in two thousand three. Yeah, I feel like people maybe you know like because it seems like people like the first series more. Again, say this without having seen the second. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like that might have hurt it from growing to be like an actual big like oh American only success. Yeah, 
of just like oh maybe they stop maybe they stopped showing it so much and because let's you know like we still see cowboy bebop uh and you know on toonami right in adult swim but yeah. uh we don't hear about big o the same way despite the fact that again like they put money into big o too like there's they don't have any money in cowboy bebop well i wonder because they probably don't have the rights to the first season yeah and so maybe that's why because maybe they don't want to pay to renew those rights and it doesn't make sense just that, to I, just I just mean that like this would be two. the kind of show that I would love to see. You know, like again, uh, I think it would be cool to see them bring like this into rotation for even like, you know, one season of Toonami showings. I don't mm. know. I think it would really um so a lot of people would really dig it, especially with how popular the Batman animated series is right now. Yeah, it looks like season 2 didn't do as well. I'm reading uh under the like reception part of the Wikipedia it says that they wanted yeah. to originally make more episodes, but season two's ratings and DVD sales were not great. Sad face. All right. Well, so, but yeah, uh, so great mecha action, though. Uh, really great impacts. And all the mecha, they sound just like Gundams, though, when they move. They have that robotic sound to them. And it uh, there's a lot of great weight. Uh, and just the animators are killing themselves, like. Honestly, the the camera angles they use and the way in which they make the Mega Deus look so imposing. I mean, these are giant. You know, th- this isn't you know like a few stories. This is like oh, it's as big as uh, like a very tall building. So, if you like big mecha, uh, you know uh, this is for you. Collateral damage. <laughs> a, a lot of collateral damage. Uh, it is no joke. Um, so now I want to talk about one episode in particular. This is the, in my opinion, like I, I really sat up when I got to episode five. It's called Bring Back My Ghost. And it's about this. It turns out that there was this, I guess, uh, there was some kind of riot between the people who are live outside of these domes where the mega rich live mm-hmm. and the military police, which are run like everything like this whole city is run by this organization called paradigm and it's one of those things where like everyone works for them one way or another like paradigm owns the city they are the city they are god um is how it's framed and so in this situation there it starts off and it has our main character roger smith uh, reminiscing on a bridge because he's been given uh, a task as a negotiator by this uh this like rich old lady who's on her more or less her deathbed. He meets with her because he always agrees to take the, he's one of those like, I, I, you know, you have to be like the right kind of person for me to accept you as my clientele. If you're like a rich fuddy duddy, like I ain't going to help you do shit. If you work for the company, like fuck you. But he always helps women and the elderly. And this is an elderly woman. So he has to help her. And she says, find my boy. I really want to see my boy before I pass. The only problem is her boy died like years ago. And, you know, the people in the family aren't who are alive still and are, you know, they think that he's taking advantage of her and just wanting a a, a quick payday. And he's going to get a body doubler or something. Right. And a lot of this and then this. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, suspicion and it's not the greatest deal but then we jump to roger smith on this bridge and he's reminiscing about when this son died because he remembers the incident it was called the bonnie fraser shooting and it starts off 
with we see a side cut of Roger Smith's face, you know, in profile, and uh, the camera's panning, you know, nice right to uh, left to right, and then we see this uh, in the background, a crowd of cops, material, you know, like reminiscing in the background, and then we cut to the other side of his face. And it does the same camera move, but this time we see the, you know, the revolting, like, peasants, more or less, right, appearing. And then we have this great Molotov cocktail, of, like, it, right in the middle, it explodes in the screen. And then we have the two forces aligned vertically, um, you know, one on top of the other. And it just, I really think people need to see it because it feels like it's, like, the entire story is told visually. Like, he's telling a little bit of voiceover about... You know, oh, um, between people who live outside the domes and the military police, and we're getting, you know, a little bit of detail from him. But, like, the whole story is just told so well visually that when you look at it, you go, oh, these people on bottom, they have no chance against this concerted military, like, government, you know, crushing. It feels like the top of the pyramid is coming down to settle on the masses. Um, and. It was like, it really stood out to me in the moment, but it's the kind of shot which I think this series in particular just has all over the place. Um, they're really, it's not always the most complicated idea that they're putting, like it's not necessarily the most subtle. Um, but as an example, another, like a great theme in this is clocks. Like everything in the world, if it isn't a literal clock, it will be a representation of time. Um, of some sort, because with everyone having amnesia, people's relationship with time and history has become really bad and, you know, uh, like fraught is maybe the better way to put it. Um, we see this big clock tower right outside of Roger Smith's house. And in the first scene of the, of the series, we see a bunch of workers dismantling it. But the thing is, they're not going to destroy the clock tower because that's a big ass, you know, cement and brick or stonework building, right? Like that's that would be destruction. No, no, they're just dismantling the hands. They're just they're just taking the hands away. But the thing is, the clock, it's not a. The clock, like even the clock face is gone, but the clock tower. So, so all that you have is a giant hole in the middle of this clock tower, but there's a hole in all four sides, so you can see through it. But the Roman numerals are are part of the stonework, so you can still see the clock face. It's like the, you are seeing the negative of a clock. But then they'll do these great shots throughout the series where you'll see things which represent time, like the camera may focus on a something which is going clockwise, or maybe they'll do the opposite and something will be going counterclockwise or something in the scene will be acting very metronome-like. Uh, or on there's even some great occasions where the weather, uh, you'll see some kind of crazy weather event and all the rain will be going at, like, let's say 11 o'clock. And it's just, uh, because they're so particular about the framing, because it's so focused on this time and like on the idea of clocks and the idea of time passing and the idea that like, oh, these people are like Roger is a negotiator. And so this ultimately means that his role is to get to the bottom of things. And he might want to ignore things as a human being, but his professional life leads to him 
asking these hard questions and not being able to avoid the truth. But the regular people, they just want to put their heads in the sand and forget about it. But you can try to forget about time. Unfortunately, time keep passes, uh, keeps passing, right? It's inescapable. And uh, that vibe, it, it feels very noir, even when the series is being more... Uh, I, I guess when even when the series is acting more towards like that Batman, like it feels more like a a kids TV show, mm-hmm. or it feels like you're having like a, a funner moment. Like it always feels like there's this just like oh undercurrent of the blues and noir and just oh like we're living in a like a garbage pile of just you know you can ignore it for a bit, but like if you stop if you stop and think about life again, you'll be depressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just love this. I mean, honestly, there's so many weird little touches. Uh, at one point, a character named uh, oh, what is it? I think his name is I don't I don't know his name, but there's a Christmas episode. But of course, everyone's forgotten what Christmas is. They call it Heaven Day. Oh my god! Or Heaven's Day. Uh, but they all just think that it's because the city was founded on that day. Uh, no one remembers Christmas, although you still hear Christmas music. But in this episode. Uh, 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 Roger Smith meets this, uh, like street, like like a street busker who plays a saxophone, and he runs into him a few times, and they kind of becomes a recurring ep- um character who is like semi central to the plot of the episode, and he literally could have been ripped out of like a Tatsunoko uh, shonen series from the seventies. He has the same kind of hair as a seventies, like you know, like tough hero like the guy let's put it this way he's playing a saxophone ends up calling forth like the mega deus destructing thing and he has a blind girlfriend who he lies to and i'm just like damn like am i what like was i transported back 30 years (laughs) you know i know the search was like place 40 years ago but it feels like i went just about back that much thank you sunrise for this great uh you know retro throwback i love it uh So, yeah, if you liked anything that I said, please look into it. Uh, Or if you just want the funniest. uh, I have to say one more thing about Metropolis, if that's okay, before I'm finished. Uh, Have you seen Metropolis, by the way, JP? I so the anime Metropolis was one of my other options. Uh, There is a lot of Fritz Long's Metropolis in it, but um, there's a famous scene in Metropolis where the machine literally turns the main character freighter into a cog because we we think of like normally we think of machines as doing what human beings want mm-hmm. but in the the universe of the film remember this is them imagining like giant like soul crushing machines back in you know like the industrial age so they had a very different idea of what machines were and their role in life but you see him he takes his position at a clock face and he has like a two hands of a clock. And what will happen is two, uh, lights will appear at different sections and he has to move the hands to the, di- to the light lit up spots. And that's, he has to do that for his entire shift. So he has to do like an eight hour shift of just moving these hands mechanically to the lit up spots. And we start him off and he's, you know, very energetic and like, this doesn't seem that hard. And then we cut to like, after a few, after we do see some other characters doing things, we cut back to the end of his shift, and he can barely like even lift his arms. He's just a complete wreck, right? It turns out that you know he is just 
completely subservient to the machine. Well, the pi- the actual mecha cockpit of the big O, it's him sitting inside of a big, uh, of these two rings on the left and right side, and there's big handles on them. And he has to move the controls up and down. And so they turn that contraption somehow into a mecha pilot, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like joystick and stuff. And it's, it's like the the biggest deep cut, and I love it. <laughs> They've somehow turned it into like, oh, like yeah, it's cool and mechanical and different, uh, but it still feels like it's just that great blend of, you know, this Batman, but it's through, you know, it's Batman. It's uh, there's even some, you know, it's uh, Fritz Lang's Metropolis. You're even getting some like cool sci-fi from um, different people. Like, again, there's that Jules Verne influence there, but it's all this. It's this great melange, but through the the lens of otaku, you know, doing Japanese mecha shows. And there's really nothing else like it that I can think of. Well, I'm glad In that you whole. got this one, because I would not have had nearly any of this context. I would have just been Sam, like, yeah, uh, cool uh, robots. That's fine. Whoever gave it, uh, me the options. Uh, I'm very grateful. Again, I this would still be locked in plastic right now if I had not been given this assignment. Uh, a treat and a treasure and I will definitely be doing another anime Super Santa. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed this. I've been meaning to watch Big O pretty much since it came out. I watched some of it back when it aired on Adult Swim, but I did not keep up with it. And funny enough, I think Big O was supposed to be my New Year's resolution was to finally watch Big O and I did not do it. So this is just another reminder that I should watch the big O. Sorry for going long. No, 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 because I don't really have a lot to say about mine. Uh, but the big O, I believe, is streaming on High Dive uh, for those. Yes, and that... Sentai, I, I, my collection, the Blu-ray set, is from Sentai. I don't know if they still have it, because it was I, I uh, several years ago. I think it's still pretty readily available. Uh, speaking of pirating things that you can't buy right now... Gunsmith Cats by Kenichi Sonata. Uh, you cannot buy this. Uh, you can buy the DVD. did have it. Uh, Animago did a Kickstarter. And, oh, Animago, okay. And it is okay. not currently available on eBay or on Right Stuff or on Amazon. So I downloaded Gunsmith Cats. I'm a dirty, dirty pirate. Uh, so it Sounds like you. This is one of those shows that I've just known about for a long time. Uh, Not necessarily been on my watch list, but been on my like, oh yeah, that's probably good. I've always heard it's good. Like, maybe I'll watch it someday kind of a thing. I don't know. I feel like every anime fan has that like, oh, I've just always heard this is good, but not necessarily good enough to check it out. It's like a weird reality of being a media fan. Yeah, uh, so big awareness. This was just like the final kick in the ass I needed to watch Gunsmith Cats because my other recommendations were Bloom Into You, which I have also heard is good. I just, you know, it's a 13 episode show versus a three episode show. That was an easy uh, choice to make. And then I believe, I think my other choice was Cyber City Oedo, which I have seen and just accidentally didn't mark it on my list. And then my backup was Metropolis. Uh, So, Uh, okay. Yeah, this, uh, this 
you made the same uh, snafu that I did in the beginning. I also thought this was an 80s series. It was the 90s. Uh, but it, it has its origins in the 80s uh, because originally uh, the main character in this was in a series called Riding Bean, uh, which came out okay. in, according to the Wikipedia, 88 to 89. Uh, and so, I mean, I think it. I think we think '80s just because it feels we very go, '80s. Oh, Gunsmith Cat. This has to come from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? I don't know. Is that a Turtles reference? No, I just think it probably comes from like you know, like the Gunsmith Cats. I'm not saying that this is like Street. Oh, sharks, I get, I get like, what you're saying. I feel like it comes from that lineage. Yeah. Uh, but Gunsmith Cats. It was a manga. It came out in '91. Ran until '97. I believe it had. Seven or eight volumes, and then there was a uh, sequel series called Gunsmith Cat's Burst. I've not read any of the manga. I've not read any Riding Bean. My only knowledge of this series all of these years has been that it was Kenichi Sonata, and I knew that Riding Bean and Gunsmith Cats were vaguely connected in some way. Uh, So yeah, three-episode series. I really don't have a lot to say about it because it was just like a good anime with it just kind of felt like a movie with a light story like an action movie type story so is it more of a like you know okay we're gonna do something like is there an overarching plot or is it much more of just like we're gonna do a fun thing for an episode so it is three episodes but it it is an overarching thing that just kind of keeps building on itself uh so the first episode feels very standalone but then you find out that it's a much bigger, that the bad guy in that is part of a much bigger uh, plot. Uh, so it follows, oh God, uh, Rally and Mai, uh, or May, I believe, who run a like gun shop. <laughs> Before I started this, I was like, if there's no gunsmithing and there's no cats, I'm going to be so mad. And there, there was gunsmithing in like the first 10 minutes. Uh, okay. But, but it, behind the scenes, they're like bounty hunter, assassin type people. Uh, and so they get hired to look into a gun running operation. And that's what the first episode is. They, you know, find the gun running place and they take it down. Uh, but then I don't want to spoil the entire story because it really is just one ongoing story. You find out that that gun running operation is part of something much, much larger. And there's like a Russian assassin involved. You know, it's it's like your typical like 80s, 90s action story. The reason to watch Gunsmith Cats for me and what I really enjoyed. So even though I don't have a lot to say about it because it was just like a, you know, an action story that you see a thousand times. It looks really good. And the mood and the vibe and the music, it is just very, it's a type of anime that just like doesn't get made anymore. And I, right. I mean, this is an OVA, right? So that actually had some, like, a fair amount of money put into the animation. Oh yeah, it's just like very beautifully animated, like fight scenes, very cool, like background. Like it all takes place in Chicago, and like they never let you forget that it takes place in Chicago because they have like tons of signs that say that, or they're like driving past like Amico, but it's called something else, and. You know, the characters are smoking lucky strikes and shit. It's <laughs> it's it's a fun show. I just don't know how to talk about it. And I feel bad because this is a very 
beloved series, and I just like I don't feel equipped to say anything. Well, let me ask this: um, Are they trying to do a lot of references? Is this like if are they're they trying to be like, oh, we're going to do some I'm untouchable stuff or something, or is it much more of just like them doing their own story? If there um, was, I did not catch it all. Uh, something that I did find very fun because this was an earlier like 90s series. This was an earlier ADV title and so there's a lot of dub actors from that era in it and like it's you know it's your like hokey 90s dub but i had a lot of fun with that uh because it was a lot of voices it's that you don't hear that, anymore. like you said it's set in america so do we get any attempts at a chicagoan accent or are they all canadians uh i think it's all like texas people because it was adv oh all right well yeah, that's good but uh yeah i don't <laughs> I feel bad. I want to watch Riding Bean because that's a prequel series uh, that is before Rally gets teamed up with my May, whatever her name is. Uh, what else? So they aren't people? Wait. Oh, you know what I think I was thinking of? You thought they were actual cats? No, I think guns with cats. I think I was thinking of the samurai pizza thing. Oh, it is not that. No. Yeah, that's why I was saying Teenage Ninja Turtles. Uh, excuse me, everybody. I thought you were just saying that because cats and turtles are both animals. No, that was me being an idiot. I just now, when you said that this is in the same universe as Riding Bean, my brain went, in what universe could that be part yeah. of Riding Bean? Uh, there are no cats in this series. That's a little disappointing. I th- Different kind of cat. Yeah, huh? they're just, because the, the cop that they work with keeps calling them pussycats. Which must have Uh-oh. just been a running joke in the manga. Uh, uh, All cops. Yeah, it's are it's definitely a. You know, it's like your '90s, like you're off the case type of show. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, like if this was made now, I probably wouldn't watch it because I don't want to watch a show about police catching the bad guy, but. It's just like, this is the type of show where you'd see somebody get flipped on top of a car and told that they better tell us where the drugs are. Or else. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying or to... Or else. So, uh, some distinctive features about the main characters. Rally is the gun expert. Mai is the explosive expert. And so that, uh, I guess, is explored a lot in these episodes. So, uh, Rally will... I don't know why she always chooses like the smallest gun possible and she's really fucking good at hitting her marks. So she'll, she'll go against somebody with like a machine gun and she'll have like a, I don't know, a Derringer. I don't know anything about guns. Uh, and she will get them in one shot and they will miss with their entire magazine. <laughs> it's that type of show. And then, you know, the uh, her partner will come out of nowhere and be like, I hid 18 grenades over there, so I got them too. So, yeah, it's good. It was good stuff. It's like a fun time. What What's really interesting to me, like, I'm more interested in, like, everything surrounding Gunsmith Cats, because, like, I watched this. I'll probably never watch it again. It was a really good time, but, like, you know, it's it's not, like, a deep story. It's just an action. Was it show. better or worse than Licorice Recoil? Oh, way better. Way better. Like this, I I can see where shows like Licorice Recoil and and the like got inspiration from like the stuff before it. Like it's a way better version of that story. Yeah. But it's really interesting to me that this only had three episodes. 
because there was so much more manga that they had to work from. And I know that this is from an era where they did the like, hey, we're going to do three episodes by the by the manga. But this is, you know, like this is one of those shows that you've heard people, as long as you've been an anime fan, you hear people say like, oh, Gunsmith Cats, it's one of the greats. And they never made more of it. And like Kenichi Sonata is, is like a well-known artist. You know, he he was at least according to Wikipedia was still making manga into 2013. Uh and you know, Animego did that Kickstarter where I believe they did like a short 5 to 10 minute uh like mini OVA of Gunsmith Cat and uh Riding Bean. So I know that like the guy's still active, but they never made more and that's just very weird to me you know considering they had it. it's hard to say right like whether it was just like he didn't want to do that money because you yeah. know like some manga are just like yeah i'm okay doing a little bit like as the promotion for my thing but you know they're not maybe interested in maybe it was too that. expensive I, maybe it didn't do well i don't know yeah. but yeah i i don't know this happens to me a lot where i'll watch something that i really like and i just won't know what to say <laughs> Like it, it really just felt like I watched an action movie from the nineties, a good one, but you know, like you watch something that has like allegory and theory and a bunch of like references to, to like greater works. I watched people shoot each other for 90 minutes and it was a good time. But what do you say about that? I highly recommend it, but I do not know how to qualify that other than it's a very, very pretty action anime. I mean, it sounds like the kind of thing that would be perfect to catch at maybe like a con, if you could oh, see yeah. it, you know, in one of the programming rooms, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, well, and it's short. It's, it's only three episodes. Uh, it's, you know, less than 90 minutes total. Uh, it's very high impact in that sense. Like they really could have just made it a movie. It, it plays like, cause it's a direct continuation like there, it doesn't seem like a lot of time happens between each of them, so I don't know why it didn't just get made as a movie. Probably to sell more tapes would be my guess. I don't know how much time was, you know, between each episode, but it's uh, it's a good time, and I think you should watch it. Sorry to whoever recommended that if you wanted me to say more, but uh, I guess maybe it's just that I don't have all this nostalgia. That a lot of because I I feel like uh, Gerald Rathgold from AWO could probably have talked for an hour about like who did the key art and this and that and you know I had the same thing with Macross Plus like I really liked it but I don't have anything to say about it it was a cool action movie that I watched on a Friday whereas for other people that was like a really formative piece whereas like I could probably yeah. talk about Yu Yu Hakusho and Inuyasha for days. And, you know, to somebody else, it's like, well, they have a sword. So, uh, I uh, don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? No, I think people have heard more than enough uh, about the big O from me. So, I'm ready to say, I'm done. Yeah, I, I've tried to think for a couple of days because I finished Gunsmith Cats like three days ago. And I've been thinking like, what do I say about this show? But, uh, yeah, so this was a Gonzo.moe no-name anime show. It's the last one of the year. That's really cool. Uh, we will be back 
I think the second week in January, at which point I think it would be fun to take a look back at the year and talk about some of our favorite things that we watched. Uh, Not necessarily things that came out in 2022, but things that we experienced in 2022. Obviously, you know, we're going to talk about things that came out that year in doing so, but that's kind of how I do my year-end best of is best thing that you experienced, not uh, limited to when it came out. Uh, And we'll have to talk to Noel about that as well. Uh, And then uh, this, what is it, next week, we are going to do our year-end news broom. So I'm going to have to take a look and see, uh, you know, what were the top stories of the year. Should be a good time. Only the finest for our audience. Only the newsiest brooms. Well, uh, Well, that too. Yeah, I guess uh, if you want more podcasts, go to gonzo.moe. We're on all your favorite podcatchers. We're on Twitter. We're on Apple. We're on Google. We're on Spotify. We're on uh, your mom's favorite grocery list. I don't know what that means, but uh, I'm JP. You're Kyle. And uh, we're going to, I don't know, go to bed or something. It's 11 p.m. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Night. Oof, I feel I feel bad, but I really like I don't know how to talk about an action series. Like it, you know, re- it's fine. I, you know, I think we all. Have, I think I talked about the wrong things with the big O. I, I, all right, I'm happy with it, but, but I feel like I did go maybe. You know, I always have critiques. I even wrote out a lot of it, but I didn't read it all. I was just kind of going off a of memory after I wrote it. Oh. I should have just written. I read read what I wrote. Well, you did a real review, and I just said it was good. It looked pretty, but that's like all—that's all I could think of when I was watching it. I was like, "Man, this is really good. It looks really good. <laughs> wow!" Because it has a lot of like, you know, because people actually drew this, and that's what was the most yeah. impressive for me about Gunsmith Cats is that like, you know, you see a show like this now, and you're like, "Oh, well, that was a pretty like Licorice Recoil." Licorice Recoil, I think, would have had such a bigger impact on me if people hand-drew that with, like, paint like they had to in the 90s. Like, when I see something like that... There's a shot. I have to tell you this. I I didn't talk about it, and I feel so stupid, but in Big O, there's a shot where a character is looking up at one of the domes, and you can see... So it's like, it looks like scribbles. It looks like the kind of draft, like the kind of scribbles you would see in a manga where you can see the pencil strokes. Mm-hmm. And it kind of vaguely resembles some far away, like like a, on the dome, which is super far away. It looks almost like a, a crane and some other kind of construction equipment. But it's completely still. And it's in full motion. And I just, the awe of seeing that, like it was so beautiful because it's the kind of, again, like, I'm so used to seeing that in a manga, but in a manga, like a lot of times you can see like, you know, like the, but you're not, you don't see the brushstrokes. You don't see the, like the, the animators lines very often in anime. That's really rare. And I was like really affected by just seeing something that felt to me like not slapdash, but it felt to me just so like they just knew that that it would work. Right. They just knew that like, Oh, like we're, we're so, we're so good at animating that we can just, leave this in the background and like have it like we'll do enough things in the frame that it will feel like it's moving but like this is it it felt just like such a great artistic flair and it and i think it hit me precisely because it was hand animated like like you said if it was in uh flash animation it would just be like oh okay 
it would that then it would feel lazy. Yeah, I wonder if you Big know? O two was digital because it would have been the era where they started doing that. Yeah, that might have been that. The, maybe Big O two was a uh, digipaint. Um, but oh, I'm trying to think. Oh, the other thing, I think I'm going to put this as a stinger. Uh, the other thing that I thought was kind of cool, and I don't know if like Cowboy Bebop is referencing something else, but this predated Cowboy Bebop by a year, and the intro was very reminiscent of the Cowboy Bebop intro. And tonally, a lot of the episodes are very... Like, if people like Cowboy Bebop, then they should watch Big O. Oh, I'm talking uh, about Gunsmith Cats. Oh, Gunsmith. Big O came <laughs> out I, after Cowboy Bebop. Of course you're talking Bebop. about Gunsmith Cats, because we haven't seen each other's shows, so yes. I get it. Yeah, Big Big O was two years or a year after Cowboy Bebop, but yes. That if, makes more sense. That also makes sense, too, though, because Big O was the same studio as Cowboy Bebop, so it's probably a lot of the same people. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, the like the colors and the way things are framed. Uh, the intro is like, oh, was this a reference? And when I looked it up, like, oh, this came out a year before Cowboy Bebop was made. So I wonder if they're both referencing something else that I haven't seen, which is likely. Yeah, that's a good chance. Anyway, uh, yeah, this was a good time. I'm going to uh, sign off. Uh, probably make some tacos and uh, I don't know, hike five a cat in the face. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, hey, uh, have a good one and I'll see you next week for some no name. Yeah. Or, no, news broom. Yeah. Sorry for being late, but uh, cheers. You're fine. Cheers.